Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Four Downs. This is the regular season finale, actually, of Four Downs, and I am joined this week not by my normal partner in crime, Aaron Alice, who is uh, dealing with a personal matter. So in her stead, I'm pleased to be joined by the Game on Wisconsin head honcho, Jacob Westendorf. How you doing, Jacob? I don't know if I'd call myself the head honcho, but I appreciate <laughs> the kind words. I can promise you I'm not nearly as good as your normal co-host, but I am going to try uh, and fill the the large shoes of, of Miss Aaron. So happy to be here. And I think, Bonnie, I think, no, we did we did do one episode of Pick 6 together once. But yes, we did. This is, this is my first time on this show and our second yeah. time kind of interacting together. I'm looking forward to it. So happy new year, by the way. Yes, thank you. It was a... Uh, a bit of a sour note to end 2021 with my Michigan Wolverines getting thumped <laughs> by the Georgia Bulldogs, but what a, uh, what a special year for, for that group and hoping for a special 2022 for these green Bay Packers. Yeah. You made, you had your college team in the playoff. You've got your NFL team in the playoffs. And if things play out the way, sounds like we both think they will, it'll be a good, it'll be a good first couple months to this year. Yeah, no complaints at all. Uh, very excited, very, uh, very thankful. Uh, I always come to the end of the year where I feel that way. And then just watching this team play versus I watch every team play like every week. So right. watching, <laughs> watching our team versus, you know, some of these others, I always, you know, thank God every single day for, for Aaron Rodgers and, <laughs> and this organization as a whole, because it could be a Minnesota with having to play Sean Mannion or just some of these other, I mean, yep. guys, there are going to be some bums playing this was, weekend and it was it was funny because that kind of goes last week Aaron and I both said it's you know there are plenty of diehard NFL fans out there that don't look forward to watching their team every Sunday like there there are just you know they're in most of these games are going to be losing and you're going to be watching a bad team and those are the fans that I really really applaud because I don't know what that's like <laughs> no, I mean, I remember 2018 when McCarthy got fired and that team was terrible and it almost felt like a, and I say terrible, they were six, nine and one. Six, so right. They, weren't they even, still won six games. <laughs> yeah. They weren't as bad as it could be. I mean, I know fans of teams that have gone 0 and 16. I know like, yeah. I know a bunch of people that way. And I remember the six, nine and one team feeling like it was almost a chore to yeah. watch that team play. <laughs> and I'm thankful now that it's like, even with green Bay, not having much to play for from the standing side of things, I'm still excited to watch this team play on Sunday uh, yeah. and watch them, you know, get ready for what we hope is a, a special playoff run. Yeah. There are only a handful of teams that get to fans of teams that get to watch their games this weekend, not really caring about the outcome. And we're one of them. And in a good way, <laughs> there are other right, teams yeah. that care about the outcome in a bad way. True. Exactly. <laughs> so for anyone new listening, um, we will, go over and give each other a last word from the last game. We've got four topics uh, ahead for the Lions game, but because we actually are recording on a Friday, Aaron and I almost always record on Thursday because of how scheduling works. We actually do have some news. Um, we had Matt LaFleur talk about today that Josh Myers is going to play um, against the Lions this weekend. And it sure as hell sounds like Bakhtiari will as well. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, the Myers one is obviously big uh, with with the center situation. It did sound like that Myers is kind of competing to get that job back. So I will be interested to see, one, how long does he play on Sunday? And two, when they come out two weeks from now, 
who their starting center who is, is. Yeah. Because that could be that could be something different. But with Bakhtiari, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit pre-show uh, about a couple of different players, but Bakhtiari is a gold jacket kind of player. He's a Hall of Fame level left tackle when he's at his peak. And even if he's not at his peak, today was his first time as a full participant in practice in over a year. The last time he was a full participant in practice for the Packers was before he tore his ACL last year, tragically, on New Year's Eve, on getting everything through that. But getting Bakhtiari back, I think, is massive when you consider some of the guys you're going to face in the playoffs, Michael Parsons, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Chandler Jones. I mean, Aaron Donald, Von Miller. These are guys, these are teams that can rush the passer, and you've got to be able – we saw it last year. It's like a chessboard. you got to protect the king. And if you can't protect Aaron Rodgers – it doesn't matter what the matchups you have down the field or that you have the best receiver in football because Green Bay last year had opportunities against Tampa Bay, but they couldn't protect him. So since they the couldn't protect there. him, yeah. no, and that's a big reason why they went home. Yeah, and you know, not this is not that this is necessarily related because you know Elton's hurt, but I'm I'm of the opinion that they win that game if they play Elton Jenkins at left tackle. Like I really think they do. Oh, I don't, I haven't thought about it from that standpoint, I guess. I definitely believe that if David Bakhtiari plays left tackle that they win, but I will tell you it's been, that game to me is a testament to how much Yosh Nyman has improved from last year to this year, because last year I watched Rick Wagner walk off the field and it looked Mm -hmm. like he was dragging his right leg or left leg, whichever leg it was like, it was an anchor because he just couldn't move. And it's hard. But the reason that he was out there was because, if he is not able to go, it's Yosh. And they weren't sure if Nyman could play or not. And this year, they kind of were forced to find out with Jenkins's injury early in the year. And then obviously right. as the year progressed uh, with Jenkins's injury, Nyman's back in the lineup. It's been a huge testament to his improvement. But that being said, definitely happy to have the big giraffe <laughs> back at left tackle. Exactly. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest compliments you can give Yosh as a fan is – I sometimes forget he's the one playing in the game. And if, you know, from that standpoint, I think that's a huge testament to him, but yeah, I mean, as solid and ha- as good as he's been, if you put a 85% David Bakhtiari out there, I think you feel obviously much better. So it's going to be awesome to see him just back on the field again this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the team. I'm excited for what it could mean. You know, this is something we've been waiting for since October 20th when he was activated <laughs> from the pup list. Right. And it, it didn't work out that way. It didn't work out to where he debuted like when we thought it was, but this is kind of like better late than never. And thankfully it's better late. Let me ask you this because I had somebody, you know, Bakhtiari and Alexander and, and maybe Zadaria Smith saying like they're worried about their first reps potentially coming in a playoff game. And my thought mm-hmm. on that is I would rather their first reps come in a playoff game than not come at all. Exactly. Yeah. You, I mean, you can, you can live with a little bit of rust. I feel like with guys at that talent level, um, because, you know, let's say if David starts a little slow, if Jair starts a little slow, I don't think that means David's getting beat for three sacks in the first half and Jair's given up two touchdowns before halftime. Right. Like I, I don't think, their level of rust makes you worry that they're going to play that badly. No. And I mean, honestly, you look at their replacements and Yosh has done a lot of good things, but Bakhtiari allows the Packers so much more freedom in terms of what they're able to do on the offensive side of the ball. And then on Alexander's side of things, you're looking at him in comparison to Shannon Sullivan, Henry black types. (laughs) And 
I mean, I like Chandon more than some people do. Henry Black, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of comfort with when he's matched up on on a receiver, but because we've seen guys like Mr. Bird from from Chicago, who's certainly yeah. a replacement level receiver. I mean, they have guys that are not. It's not like they're facing Chris Godwin and and Justin Mike Jefferson. Evans and, and Justin Jefferson. And I've yeah. seen Henry Black on Justin Jefferson. It did not go well. <laughs> I don't want to see but, that again. No, thank you. But <laughs> with Alexander, even if he's rusty, a rusty version of Alexander, like you said, he's not giving up 200 yards and three touchdowns right. in the first half. And the other thing, and with all due respect to Kevin King, getting Alexander back bumps King further down from now you need two guys to get injured for him to have to come into the game instead of yep. just one. And I think if you, go, you know, you're going to go into the playoffs saying if all the corners are healthy, do you feel good about Kevin King being like cornerback five? I feel pretty damn good about that. Right. To where it's like, Hey, this guy rolled his ankle. This dude's in the concussion protocol. Knock on wood. Kevin, can you give us a few snaps? Yes. Yeah. I, I think I feel okay about that instead of last year when it was all right, Jair, you have Godwin on this play and Kevin, you've got Mike Evans. Yeah. Well, Mike Evans is going to torch a lot of good corners and God bless Kevin King, but he's not that. Right. So one other, um, we talked about what the good news Matt LaFleur gave us, but this is the actually the three-year anniversary of LaFleur getting hired. And it's it's pretty fitting that we get, you know, he gets to celebrate another anniversary, you know, coaching a game that doesn't really matter. But just to think about where we were three years ago today is insane when you think about how far the team has come overall. Yeah, I remember at the time making the comparison of what was hanging in the balance. And if they hired the wrong coach, you're talking about like, I know Packer fans always roll their eyes when they're saying you're wasting the career of Aaron Rodgers. But if they hire the wrong coach, one, the offseason that we just went through might have happened two years ago. Yep. And Rodgers probably isn't here anymore. Right. So you add those things in and then you add in the fact that even if he is here, it could have been a, it's a turning point in the organization. It could be a downward spiral to where the end of the hall of fame quarterbacks future comes. And you have that uncertainty that comes with everything else. But instead they hired Matt LaFleur, who's won 40 games in his first three seasons. And it's hard to argue how good he's been, or excuse me, it's 39 um, to be, to be a hundred percent hacker. It'd be 40 if they win here on Sunday, but they've won 39 games. In my opinion, he should already have a coach of the year award on his mantle. I would have given him the award in 2019, uh, but this is kind of the blessing and a curse that is coaching uh, one of the best players in the sport is when the best player, when you win, the best player gets all the credit. It's like coaching LeBron. When LeBron was in Miami, LeBron got all the credit when they won. And when they lost, it was everyone else's fault. And it's very similar to the way that things work when you coach Aaron Rodgers, but I can't say enough good things about him. I remember when they hired him, I was like, I don't know. You know, I, my, I tend to reserve judgment in general because until they're in that big chair, you just never know. Yeah, and know. then you have, <laughs> then you have that first press conference where LaFleur sounds incredibly uncomfortable. Super and nervous. <laughs> I remember somebody asked like, what's your impression off of the presser? And I was like, then I'm thankful that coaching isn't related to how somebody performs at the podium. <laughs> that and, was, And that was, that was really when the, Oh, this guy just got his job because he had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay once. Like that's when those, those really started to ramp up after that first introduction. 
And understandably so, but it's been a beautiful marriage with he and Rogers. I think that with LaFleur, Rogers could play till he's 45 if he wants to. And I think Rogers is starting to see that as well. And he's resurrected very similarly to the way Mike McCarthy resurrected the career of Brett Favre. I know Rogers toward the end of McCarthy's tenure, it's not like he was playing bad. Wasn't turning the ball over, but it wasn't great quarterback play either. Right. And the last two years, especially have been great quarterback play because now you're talking about, despite what Mr. Arkish might say, <laughs> a back-to-back MVP type of seasons. And Rodgers didn't have an MVP season in 2019, but once he's gotten the hang of the offense and what he's doing and everything else, this is a, a two-time, soon-to-be two-time MVP and back-to-back years where, again, the team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender because, again, I say – in 2019, I know they played for the NFC championship money. I don't know how you felt, but when, (laughs) when I saw they were playing San Francisco, I was just kind of like, I'm just happy to be here. Yep. Yeah. That, that it just felt like a, let's hope they catch lightning in a bottle for this game type of game. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what it needed to be and exactly what it wasn't, but a a kudos (laughs) to Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, because the other thing I think that I want to bring up and kind of kick back to you is LaFleur hiring LaFleur wasn't like hiring Bill Belichick. You know, I, I know Belichick's one of one, but it wasn't like hiring Andy Reid to use right, maybe a yeah. better example. It wasn't an obvious hire. You guys have seen the clips from Colin Cowherd and Stephen A. Smith and everybody saying, oh, he was ranked 27th with this Titans offense. And like, what yep. does he know? How can he coach? This is the dude you're trusting with the end of Aaron Rodgers' career. It wasn't an obvious hire. And it wasn't no. even an obvious hire from the candidates that they interviewed. You know, everybody kind of, myself included, was kind of connecting Josh McDaniels to come yep. to Green Bay because that's, that's who Brady. I thought it was going to be. Exactly. So our kudos to Murphy and Gutekunst for hiring LaFleur because, again, it would have been very easy to say, like, well, they hired LaFleur, but was he really ready? You know, should they have hired somebody else? And then by, you know, by sourced reporting, Todd Munkin was the runner up. So it's not like Green Bay really went with the easy type of hires in those types right. of situations. LaFleur has been the uneasy hire, but an easy home run over the first three years. And hopefully this year it gets capped off with, there's only really one question remaining when it comes to LaFleur. And that is, can you win the game? Because they've won yeah. plenty of games, but they haven't won the game yet. It's it, it it's crazy to think in so a coach's third year, he only has one thing left to accomplish already. <laughs> Yeah. And that's something that like, if you even think back to like guys, the Packers have hired in our lifetime, right? So you're a little bit older than I am. So you might remember some of the Holmgren stuff a little more than I do, but it took Holmgren five, six years to win a title. It took McCarthy five years to win a title. It took Mike Sherman to never win a title because he's spineless, (laughs) but there's that. I'm not a big Mike Sherman fan in case you guys haven't gathered that by anything that you followed over recent years with me, but LaFleur has, he, again, I know they were just happy to be there, but he played for the NFC title in his first season. First last year, year <laughs> last year they were favored to win the NFC championship. They didn't, but they were favored to win the NFC championship. Yep. And now this year, they are the favorites to win. In my opinion, they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And I know the betting markets say that much, but now you add in the fact that they're going to get back Bakhtiari, they're going to get back Josh Myers, potentially Billy Turner, Jair Alexander, and maybe Zadarius Smith as well with a roster that includes guys like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, the two-headed monster in the backfield, the the defense that has guys like Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark and, and Rasul Douglas. Like, 
Brian Gutekunst certainly deserves credit as well, but it is up to the coach to get the players on the field in the right position. And LaFleur has done that. And I think his biggest testament that I can give is when he makes a mistake, he goes back and actually reviews it instead of, you see guys like Joe Judge in, in New York for the Giants. <laughs> they double down all the time. Exactly. And the floor is like, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look at that and see what happens. Or maybe you want that one back or, you know, something to that effect. Yeah. The floor hasn't done that. And I think that's his biggest, his biggest strength as the coach has been. And Monty, you remember when he came in, it was a toxic situation, you know, regardless yeah. of what some of the reports said were true or not true. It was not a good situation. The divorce from Mike McCarthy was not an amicable one. It was the ugly. locker room. The locker room was fractured. And I know people gave credit to the Smith brothers and everything for changing the culture in the locker room, but that starts with the head coach and knowing how to lead his team. And that's why, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but when it comes to his decision-making, I trust him. And And I think that's the biggest compliment you can give as a fan, because we all think, that we could be coaches <laughs> and and I we've mean, all gotten undefeated in Madden. So we know better than any of these ex- other guys. Exactly. I've called plays. I know how to manage the clock. <laughs> I know what plays to call and what situations better than the guys in there, but that's why I trust him. And I think that's the biggest compliment that I could possibly give him. So we will, we're going to briefly kind of, you know, just give one last look at the Viking game. So if you could sum up that, that game that we saw in Sunday night football, in one word, what would you pick? Accomplished. Um, and I'm, I'm shortening a phrase of mission accomplished because I've said it all year. This team has been pitched all year as they're in a last dance type of situation. And I don't actually think it's that. If you guys mm-hmm. have listened to anything I've said, I, I think Rogers will be back. I think Adams will be back. But this team will look different next year, whether those guys are back or not. Uh, obviously, if they're not, they certainly will. But this team cannot be viewed through the lens of, well, they beat the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. The Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions suck. Like <laughs> yeah. When you're talking about teams that don't care about the outcome <laughs> of Sunday's game, it's because they're bad. And those are three teams that are bad. And two of them are going to fire their head coach as soon as that game is over on Sunday afternoon. The Packers need to be viewed through the lens of Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, whoever you think the best teams are in the NFL. And now green Bay has that number one seed. They wrapped that up. And I know it didn't matter quote unquote last year that they had home field advantage, but you want as many games in your own backyard as you can get. And you saw it on Sunday, Minnesota didn't want to play in the cold. You know, once it was, they did not want to be there. No. Once it was 13, nothing, the game was over. There was no chance for a cup. Like, I don't know when Larravee officially threw his dagger, but you could have thrown it at 13 nothing with Rodgers' touchdown pass to Alan Lazard because <laughs> the game was over. Minnesota didn't have any desire to fight and come back. Now, playoff teams will, but it's different when you have a team like L.A. and Matthew Stafford, who's never played in a big game like that at Lambeau Field, or Dak right. Prescott. The only one that really has played in games like that is Tom Brady, but the rest of that team really hasn't, and it wasn't that cold last year when Tampa came to green bay for the nfc title game not nearly enough fans in there just a totally it was a very weird feeling around the game in general i feel like certainly and it played into it kind of took away the home field advantage and the packers have a distinct advantage with their fans it's a smaller stadium and the weather and the elements and just the ability to they've won a lot of games at lambo over the last several years and they're undefeated at home this year 
And none of the games that they've played at home have been like, I don't know. Are they going to win that one? Like there really haven't been any nail biters at home at all. Not really. No. So, I mean, like even like the Chicago game, I know they were losing at halftime, but they came out in the second half and first uh, it was touchdown sack, fumble touchdown. It's like, okay, that game's over. And that was over. (laughs) So green Bay has a really good opportunity now to get to the super bowl. And it started with again, accomplishing their goal on Sunday. So what is your last word on Sunday's game? So mine kind of goes along with yours. Mine was expectations and not, it's kind of a two part for me because as soon as you heard Kirk Cousins was out, they did exactly on Sunday what you expected them to do. They should blow out a team that has nothing to play for playing a backup quarterback. It doesn't matter how bad they want to play spoiler. It's not going to happen. So they, they did the things they were supposed to do in that game, but also I do talk a lot about not taking regular season for granted, not taking any game for granted because we love watching this team. It's a special team that we see every week, but we're at the point now where as soon as that champ game ended last year, we're sitting where we expected to be right now. Everything was all about getting to this point, getting to the playoffs, being that number one seed, getting home field. So for a lot of people, I feel like, for some fans, their season is starting now, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with you. And like you said, don't take the regular season for granted. And I could tell you, like there are years where the Packers have lost a game that you're like, man, they really should not have lost that game. You know, this year mm-hmm. I think Minnesota might be that way. Kansas City has some extenuating circumstances surrounding right. it. Uh, and obviously the New Orleans game, all of the games that they had that they lost were all kind of like, that was weird. Like <laughs> just kind of a weird way to do things. But <laughs> yeah, if you look at it, you know, I, I always hearken back to 2014 when Green Bay lost to Seattle in the NFC championship game. And had they not tricked off that game against Buffalo in Buffalo against Kyle Orton, that game would have been at Lambeau field at home. And if that game's yep. at, And if that game's at Lambeau, I think Green Bay wins. Do they win the Super Bowl? I don't know, but I'm very confident that they win that game that particular year. So let's get into our four downs. We've done enough there. So what do you got? What's your first question here? All right. So my question uh, for you, the first one. So there's been a lot of consternation and debate back and forth on Twitter all week of should these guys play, should the starters play this weekend or not? We've gotten plenty of confirmation that they will. So my question is how long do you think they should play? How long are we going to see them? I think it depends how they start. You know, if it's 14 to nothing, 17 to three, right off the jump, get the guys out, you know, and by the guys, you know, before we talk about it this way, he said, we only have 48 helmets. It's not like the preseason where you can sit 30 plus guys like they did when they have 90 players available. Well, and this team is still very injured. They are. And yeah. and you add in that. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Jones is a little banged up, so they probably have him on a pitch count. They have Devondre Campbell is listed as questionable. Like they have guys, but when everybody, I think everybody was freaking out when he said most guys will play the whole game. That doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams yeah, and Kenny exactly. Clark. And if you are incredibly important to the team, so I, I look at that as Rodgers, Adams, Jones, Dylan to a lesser degree, um, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. After that, you know, they'll have some guys kind of rotating in and out. But again, you can't just play. Like you can't just say, Hey, I want all the starters on defense on the bench. They can't, right. They just they can't, they can't feasibly do that, but they yeah. can do that with, with the guys that are a little more important than some others. So 
I think something I've been talking about this week is I think it varies from team to team as to what the right answer is when it comes to rest versus rust. And you've seen mm-hmm. examples, the Packers in 2011 went the rest route and then were rusty when they came out against the giants. Obviously the, the circumstances surrounding Joe Philbin's son's tragic uh, death played into that. But there are other examples of teams that have rested like the Philadelphia Eagles. I remember Terrell Owens breaks his leg against the Cowboys and the Eagles basically didn't play after that. Like yeah. after that, they took a month off yep. and still went to the Super Bowl. Indianapolis in 2009 punted on a 16 and 0 season, <laughs> which that's different. I wouldn't have yeah. done that, but they did still went to the Super Bowl could have won. Kansas city rested in 2020 last year, got to the super bowl. So there are examples of teams doing both. This is where, again, I say you trust Matt LaFleur of what is the best path to get this team to the super bowl. I would play them, but that being said, I would play them at most those guys, the big guys at most for a half, because again, if I'm going to have a really difficult time seeing Rashawn Gary, if he got injured in the middle of the third quarter, right. he didn't need to be playing in. Yeah. And I, you know, for, to mention him specifically, like his elbow can't feel great still. I mean, that thing bent completely the wrong direction. So yeah, I mean, it, anything like that, they don't be in there any longer than they have to. And to kind of piggyback off what you said, you get the feeling that Lafleur is so in tune with the team and the pulse of it in general, I'm going to totally give him the benefit of the doubt. And especially when it comes to when you have guys at the caliber and importance of the team and how good they are as Rogers and Adams are, and they're telling you, we feel like we need to play to stay sharp. I, I, you have to listen to them. Right. I mean like that, it, it seems like that would be coaching malpractice for those guys to tell you, we need at least a little work to stay sharp for you to say, nah, no, nah, I think you're fine. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's where LaFleur again, he trusts his players and his players say that they think they need this. And sometimes you do have to be the adult in the room that said like 2018 when Rogers played in week 17 against the lions. And he said, yeah. I want to play. I'm going to play Joe Philbin should have said no. no. And he got but, a concussion in a game that meant absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. And they weren't playing two weeks later. And thankfully right. they weren't because Rogers even said like, it was a scary situation. He left the game in an ambulance. Like, yep. can you imagine if he played in that game? And they played in the playoffs a couple of weeks later. And, and right. I know I'm kind of maybe lessening my, my prior point by, by bringing no, that but up, but it shows, I mean, there's, it, there's two sides to this very much. And I think you kind of do it on a player by player basis. So, yep. so for example, I would say Adams is what 22 yards away from the record. Yep. I think you play Rodgers and Adams until he gets that. If it happens in the first quarter, then I think you say you're good. Right. Cause I, he wants that record. He deserves it. Rogers has a chance to get over 4,000 yards. Like those two things go hand in hand together. Yeah. And you've talked about wanting this team to start fast. I think if green Bay accomplishes, like you could even see it to where this team only plays one series, like one, they get dri- the ball, yeah, one drive, Yep. get the ball, five plays, 80 yards, boom, touchdown, seven, nothing. Okay. We're done. Like I've yep. seen everything I need to see off of that. You pull those guys out and you get everything ready for Jordan love. Now, guys, guys like Bakhtiari and Myers, I think you play them a little bit longer because they very yep. much need the conditioning. And if they're, they've been so conservative with both of them to this point, if they are playing on Sunday, they are as close to a hundred percent as they are going to be. 
So I think in their case, you can play them an entire half, maybe even into the third quarter. I don't know if you risk playing them a whole game if you want to do that, but they very much need to get the reps and the game speed in because the next time they play, it's win or go home. Yeah, the la- I mean, once upon a time when preseason still was something that starters played in, I would treat it with Myers and Bakhtiari the way that we used to treat the third preseason game as like a dress rehearsal where they would play yeah. a little bit into the third quarter. And yes, it's going to suck if those guys go out there and they get injured. But at the same time, that's one of those calculated risks that you kind of have to take because mm-hmm. not even just that, but with Myers, that's somebody who he's a rookie. And if you don't play him at all, like you risk, you run the risk of a rookie mistake in a, in a playoff divisional round NFC championship type of yeah. thing. Those reps are beneficial for him. Yeah. He doesn't regardless have, of what happens. He doesn't have banked reps like Bakhtiari has, who has thousands and thousands of reps to fall back on. Yeah. You can argue with Bakhtiari that it's like riding a bike. You never forget. Right. But with, with Myers, he's played four games in his, in his NFL career. There just aren't that many games exactly. that he's played in. And he hasn't played since October 17th when he blew up his knee against the Chicago bears. That was a long time ago. And Opening drive wanna, of the game, I believe. Yeah, or close to it. And you don't want to go. By the time that the Packers play, the earliest they'll play in the divisional round is January 22nd. That is a full three months removed from that knee injury where he is just not playing football. And right. that's where the question does get there a little bit of, do you keep Lucas Patrick in the lineup instead of Josh Myers? But that is a separate question for a different day. Let's go. My first question that I had for you is, and assuming the starters are going to play and it certainly sounds like they are. And we kind of just touched on this, but what can be gained from this game? If anything, because Matt LaFleur has pushed back a bunch when people say the game is meaningless, says it's not. And I'll get into that a little bit too, but what can be gained from the Packers playing on Sunday? So I, I will say for one thing, I mean, you're going to, the biggest thing you can gain is you're going to get another very real, evaluation of Jordan love when he eventually gets into it. So I'm, I'm touching on it first from the standpoint of like what you can gain in the future, not necessarily going forward this year, but yeah, you get what's going to be your only second significant look at Jordan love in live action. Um, And you're going to be able to see some of these other depth guys. You're going to be able to see, can you work them into the, you know, they, if they've been saving things for the playoffs, so there's stuff they want to, uh, showcase in the playoffs some of these other guys that are going to be playing can you work them into these packages um but the the thing i'm going to look for number one is because it doesn't look like cobb is playing if i saw that earlier that's so, correct and they amari rogers is back lafleur even said we want to get him some stuff on offense to show you know to showcase him if they can get anything out of him in the playoffs it takes the offense to a totally another level because he hasn't done anything on offense and he's going to be the punt returner with uh, David Moore on COVID list. So he gets, he's going to get a chance to show that too. So like, this is pretty much going to be an Amari Rogers and Jordan love showcase for me. And I like that. And, you know, with Amari Rogers, I've essentially not on him as the player, but I have given up on him as the 2021 contributor. I know uh, David Moore, has played in one game and I'm ready to put him in the Packers <laughs> hall of fame. Yeah. Put, put his name in the ring of honor. Yeah. Why not? Uh, and that's a guy who honestly, I, again, I know it's only been one game and it sucks that he's not going to be able to play because I would have liked to have seen him in back-to-back games, but he's a guy to me that when they line up 
in two weeks against Dallas or Arizona or whoever it is that they're playing that I want to see as the punt returner. And Amari, it's been unfortunate that it's worked out the way that it has, but he's just not somebody that was ready to contribute in 2021. And I hope this is a lesson that we can learn when we get into the draft. Cause I think one of the mistakes that we make as a fan base, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else is saying, okay, we drafted this guy. This is what he's going to do. And this is what he's going to be. Like, I remember the conversation when they traded for Randall Cobb, it was, why did mm-hmm. you trade for Randall Cobb? We have Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers. Yeah. Can you imagine now? And I know they haven't had Cobb in recent weeks, but can you imagine this team? Like we're excited that Randall Cobb is coming back because he's been a contributor to this team. And I think he's somebody that in the playoffs is somebody that can be a big contributor for the Packers as well, just because it's another guy that has that mind meld with Aaron Rodgers and that ability and that trust. And he's been there and done it. Yeah. Amari well, Rodgers. I was just saying, you talk about, can you imagine their, the offense without him? That That's a feather in the GM, quote-unquote, Aaron Rodgers cap because he's not back without Rodgers being back. But there's at least two games they don't win without Randall Cobb. One is the Steelers game because he scored two touchdowns there. And he scored two touchdowns in the Arizona game. Yeah, and I would even say the Rams game where he would have had yeah. a, well over 100 yards receiving if he didn't get injured in the first half of that. Like. He had a hundred yards receiving at halftime. Yep. He would have been well over a hundred. He was very clearly a big part of the game plan on that particular day, but not just that. I trust Randall Cobb. I would trust him with my child. Like yeah, that's implicitly. just the level. <laughs> that's just the level of trust I have in him with Amari Rogers. I, I know this is going to sound hard, but I don't trust him to catch a fucking punt. Like, excuse me, but like, yeah, I don't trust him to catch a punt. And that is something that I know I can't go out there and be a punt returner. I know that, but this is a guy who's done it. It's not like he's being paid to do it. Right. And it wasn't like his (laughs) first experience as a punt returner came in the NFL, but every single time he he is back there, you can always tell, I always say, you can always tell how comfortable a player is. And I noticed it the first preseason game against Houston, where if they have Peyton Manning happy feet, in the pocket when they're trying to catch a punt. It's like watching an outfielder for those of you that are baseball fans. If they look a little unsure of themselves, they're not comfortable out there. Yeah. And Rogers is somebody, Amari Rogers is not comfortable fielding punts. And he hasn't been comfortable really since the first game of the year. And I've said this too, the next time he looks explosive will be the first one. And that's yeah, unfortunate. It looks like he's running it, in sand all the time. And that's, you know, coming out, you knew he wasn't a speed guy. But he does not look like the same player that he looked like in that Clemson offense. No, he's somebody that I think needs to, in the offseason program, lose like 10 pounds and and work on speed and agility type stuff. Because if Rodgers is back, I think Cobb is back on a reduced contract. But I think that even if that is the case in an ideal, you don't want Amari Rogers to just be a dud of a draft pick. Obviously, right, right. you can do things not a third rounder. <laughs> no, a top one hundred pick, a guy you traded up right. for. Like, and you yeah. heard. I mean, Brian Gutekunst loves Amari Rogers. You heard. Yep. In his presser after they picked him, they were talking about like, "Hey, was it a lot to trade up for?" And he told a story about Ted Thompson basically saying, "Hey, let's go get that linebacker from USC." He was talking about Clay Matthews. Yeah, and I want Goody, the player. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he said. It was Goody was yep. like, Hey, you want to give this up? And Ted was like, I want the player. Yeah. I and don't like, care. And that's exactly the way Gutekunst was with Amari Rogers. And unfortunately for now it hasn't worked out. And even if Cobb is back next year, 
you're looking at a situation where if you're under the assumption I am, which is that 12 and 17 are in Green Bay next year, yeah. even with that being the case, Amari Rodgers contributing to this offense is something that helps them, and they're going to need that. But for now, I don't think that he's able to do that. He's somebody that I kind of joked the other day that he's going to have an ankle injury, quote unquote, that puts him on injured reserve. But with David Moore not being able to play this week because this team's gods want to keep him out of the Packers Hall of Fame for at least <laughs> one more week. They need him to, and this is something too that you can gain, right? Because what if, God forbid, David Moore comes back in the divisional round and gets a concussion because he gets lit up on a punt that they say he was blocked into him when he really wasn't, like what happened on Sunday night. Somebody's got to be back there. Exactly. And it's probably going to be Amari Rogers. And I can tell you, I'm thankful that they found a returner or looks like they found a returner because I can totally envision a scenario where say something like last year happens. It's 31, 26 green Bay against Tampa. They don't call pass interference against Kevin King. They punt and green Bay is going to get a chance to get the ball back and try and win the game. And I could totally picture a scenario where Amari Rogers fumbles. Yeah. I I was going to say, if that happened this year and you're, hinging on getting a possession on our special teams completing a fair catch that whole stadium is going to be silent because everyone's holding their breath and you've seen that exact scenario change a playoff game in 2012 against the 49ers the Packers are winning 14 to 7 the Niners punt and the Packers offense hadn't been stopped to that point yep and Jeremy Ross fumbles the punt and it changes the whole game because then San Francisco instead of 14 7 maybe 17 or 21 to 7 and having Colin Kaepernick have to throw the ball, which at that point he wasn't as progressed as a passer. Now it's 14 to 14 and the whole game changed on that. So that is yep. certainly something that I think you can gain from this weekend's game with him. So, and just to kind of put a bow on this one, you're talking about, you know, even if Cobb comes back next year, a, there's no better mentor for Mari Rogers this year and next than Randall Cobb, but you know, how we touched on who we expect back, who we don't. I think the only wide receivers on the roster right now that would be back if Rodgers and Adams are back are going to be Adams, Cobb, Lazard, and then Amari Rodgers. I think that's it. And then you're going to have to fill in in the draft. And Amari is one of those dudes that when we have this offseason discourse, like uh, we talked about this pre-show, I am not opposed to they take their Hall of Fame receiver in the second round as they've been prone to do. And then they take a speed guy to replace MBS in the fifth round. And now you're talking about Amari kind of being in a competition with the fifth round pick. They took EQ, Jawan yeah. Winfrey, the practice squad fodder types. And that's unfortunate and disappointing just because of the investment that they've made in him. But you're right. He's going to be on the roster next year. And I would imagine that the Packers do have him included in their 2020. You know, when we talk about guys, it's like, well, you don't need to draft this position. Like you don't need to draft quarterback because they have Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. And it would be not a waste of a pick because I don't think picking a quarterback is ever a waste of a pick, but you get what I mean there. It's hard to justify it. Exactly. Depending on who you're taking. Yeah, exactly. So my second question, it's it's semi-related, but so we know what we are going to look forward to getting out of the game as much as we can, but how do you how do you like get up for this game? Right. Like, I mean, the players, this is their job. They they should be up for every game, but like as a fan, like we're like, where do you get your juice for a game that literally doesn't mean anything? Uh, number one, I love football. Um, I watch every preseason snap and you know, my wife makes fun of me because she always yep. says <laughs> you're lo- they're losing and you don't even care. I'm like, yeah, I know. 
but I always like to see, you know, what am I learning? What can I figure out about the team stuff like yeah. that? So on my end of things, I care about that. I care about the younger players because I am a, maybe the only bigger proponent of keep the preseason is Owen Reese, but I am a proponent of keep the preseason because of guys that are going to get snaps on Sunday's game. And Matt LaFleur talked about it today where he said, your tape is your resume. Mm -hmm. And when these guys get cut, you know, I, I can't tell you how beneficial preseason reps would have been last year for Chris Barnes or somebody like, that, Oh yeah. Or, T or Tipa Nalea or just guys that, your top seven players that are never going to play in the preseason. Like that doesn't, it doesn't matter for them, but it matters for those guys. And these games matter for those guys. Like Juwan Winfrey could get a job if he has a big game yeah. on Sunday against the lions. Like I'm excited for those guys to get those opportunities and for the Packers to, like I said, you get not only that, I don't like to hero worship dudes. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. a little strange the way that some fans talked about Aaron Rodgers this off season, but Anytime you get a chance to watch Aaron Rodgers lace up and play quarterback, it's a privilege and it's special. And, and for my money's worth from a talent standpoint, he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. And I've been going to Packers games since I was 13. I'm old now. So that's for 17 years. I've seen, you know, I've seen Favre, I've seen Brady, the only, you know, of the great ones that you can think of in from since 2003, the only one that I haven't seen in person is Peyton Manning. Okay, and, yeah. and that's the biggest thing I kicked myself for is I wasn't able to go see Peyton play, but I wasn't, unfortunately. Um, but to me, any chance to watch him play, even if he only plays a series or a half, it's like we could look at this in March and be like, that was the last regular season game Aaron Rodgers ever played for the Packers, whether it's because of trade or retirement. So anytime you get that. And last week I was standing like, 20 feet away from Rogers. They're going towards the end zone. It's before Adam scores his touchdown. They throw this back shoulder play and dusty Evely had it on a sub stack today. And I, I just started shaking my head. Like, yeah, that shit's not real. Like, right. That's not supposed to be normal. It's not nearly as easy as those guys make it look. And I can tell you that it's not because then you come in and you watch, and this isn't a knock on Jordan love, but then you watch Jordan love. He can't do stuff like that. Right. Like I said, when you're talking about Rodgers, you're talking about him in the conversations of guys like Brady, Montana, Manning, Favre, like dudes like that, Marino. Rodgers is as good as it gets, and any chance to watch him play is something that I will relish any chance that I get. And in addition, like I said, there's young guys trying to see like, hey, you know, this is a chance where you kind of get to redevelop your preseason crush. You know, my preseason right. crush at the end of the year was Jay Sternberger. Jay's obviously not with the team anymore. But you got some different guys that can be a Shamar John Charles. Can you see something for him that makes you feel good about next year? Henry Black, Vernon Scott. Vernon Scott, like, yep. Guys like that, getting them into the lineup and giving them some live reps. So that's where I get my my juice, so to speak. Where do yours, where do where does yours come from? So in in general, like if they, you know, if they had been playing like the Texans this week, it would be something like that. Just to see some of these guys that because they don't, we don't see them a ton in the preseason or they don't get a lot of work during the season. It's good to be able to see them. And you can kind of, you know, you start to picture in your head, hmm, where could they slot this guy in next year? You know, what, what maybe they could run some stuff for him because he's shown some good stuff this game. So, but the fact that they're playing the lions, like I'm excited. I want to see Jamal Williams again. Um, I've, 
I'm glad Jared Goff is feeling better, but I wish his knee was a little bit more sore because we could. I, I wanted some Aaron Rodgers versus Tim Boyle because, you know, that would have been must-see TV. They would have been giving each other shit the whole game. So just in this particular case, I'm just glad to see some some of the guys from the last couple of years play. Oh, and of course, Jamal Williams. Exactly. And I mean, I know he's on the other <laughs> side, but like Jamal to me, I don't care where he plays. I told him, you know, I remember last year I sent him a message after he signed in Detroit, said, I wish you luck. You know, if you go mm-hmm. anywhere except Chicago, you know, I'll probably yeah. root for you. <laughs> and I root for him. So this is one of those games where like, it's okay in my eyes to root for him. I hope he has a hundred yards rushing and like two yeah. touchdowns or something. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope he scores a couple of TDs. Gets to dance in the end zone. Like that was exactly. Cool. Jamal's a great dude. And, and I feel bad for him that he's in Detroit and, you know, maybe it hasn't worked out the way that he thought it might have, but I look forward to, to seeing him play because whenever, so I buy, whenever I buy a player's Jersey and they're not on the team anymore, if they're not like an all-time great. So Monty, you could see yeah. like, I got Bart stars Jersey behind me. I got Favre over here and Rogers over here. Woodson and Matthews, Leroy Butler, like guys like that. I keep yeah. their jerseys or I frame them. Otherwise, like Mike Daniels, Jordy Nelson, you know, players like that. I fold their jerseys and I put them away. Williams is one that's hung in my closet forever. And yeah, it's largely because he's a friend of Game On Wisconsin. And this, like, this dude wore a Game On Wisconsin beanie <laughs> to the NFC Championship game last yeah. year. Yep. So that dude can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. So I am more than happy to watch him play on Sunday. So let's he's, look ahead. He, oh, go ahead. Before we I was going to say, the, I was just going to say, he's very much, he's one of those players where it doesn't matter how long he plays, where else he plays. When he decides he's done, he's going to sign a one day contract and then retire with the Packers. Like you just, yeah, they've had, they've had other players do that. You know, Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, guys like that have, Jordy have signed did one it. days. Jordy did it. I mean, there are plenty of guys that have done that. And Jamal is somebody that, I don't know if he will, but I kind of hope he does. He's somebody that I felt like belonged here. And I remember when they signed Jones, it was like, cool. They signed Aaron Jones, but then it was like, oh, you shit, knew what that it meant. Probably... <laughs> and you could tell when Jamal talked that, no, he always says that it's not a big deal, but I don't know this. You know, I'm not saying that I know this, but you could tell he was hurt by right. not being able to stay in Green Bay. And yeah. everybody wants to stay where most of the, not everybody, most players would prefer to stay where they were drafted and, and all that good stuff too. So now let's look ahead and Packers. Like we mentioned, they played in two straight NFC title games. They've lost both of them. They've lost every, the biggest game of their season every year since 2011 has ended in a loss. What about this year's team? If anything makes you feel that it will end differently this year and that we will be holding the Lombardi trophy on February 13th. So we, we talked about a little bit just how home field advantage this year is, is actually going to be a home field advantage. Um, I don't think you can understate that or overstate that, excuse me, especially because we are, I, I believe this year, the NFC championship game is the night game. So, That's you, so it should be actually cold. You should actually get that home field weather advantage. But as far as the makeup of the team, I mean, there are previous years, even just like the last two, where one or two injuries that aren't Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, obviously, really put them in such a tough spot that they don't have enough guys to pick up that slack. And this year, it's been done and then some. I mean, you have a guy like Rasul Douglas, who is just sitting out there, who now gives the Packers 
the best trio of cornerbacks in the entire playoff field. If I had told you on September 12th, when the season started, Hey, Jair is going to play the first four games and then miss the rest of the regular season. Where do you say this defense ranks by the end of the year? Especially because I didn't, believe in Joe Barry then, and we had just seen the defense last year, I would have said, I don't know if we make the playoffs. Just yeah, from that and then one, injury, in, just the one. And then now let me throw the other one. I tell you, <laughs> David Bakhtiari doesn't play until the regular season finale and Elton Jenkins blows his knee out in November. How do you think things are going on the offensive side of the ball? At that point, I don't. Yeah. I We might be 500. I mean, like yeah. the, when when we saw, I mean, obviously I'm not blowing anybody's mind here when I say if the offensive line struggles, your team sucks. But I mean, we saw the Chiefs not be able to do absolutely anything with, the, with those injuries. So yeah, you tell me we're down Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Billy Turner gets hurt. I I don't see how I could possibly tell you. Yeah, I think they'll probably be fine. Much less say, yeah, they're probably going to win the conference. <laughs> yeah, and I think that you get... You get a bunch of different stuff that like you look, that's the example I use is Kansas city last year. Kansas city has Patrick Mahomes, who for my money's worth for 2018, 2019, the best quarterback in the world last year, the second best quarterback in the world, Tyreek Hill, say what you will about his character. And there's plenty there. Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid calling plays didn't matter. No, they had no chance. No, they were starting four guards in a center at offensive line and the bucks just destroyed that offensive line with their front four. So it's amazing the way they've been able to overcome all those injuries this year. And Rogers has talked about facing that adversity. I think that's what he's talking about when he says that. Well, and the other, like the other thing that makes me feel different too is so every year since Lafleur has been there and it's kind of, it's kind of happened and coincided where there has been that powerhouse NFC team. That's not, you know, if, the, if you have considered the Packers one of those teams, there has at least been one other one these last couple of years. And both times we saw how we stacked up against them when we faced them in the regular season. And then some of that same stuff came back to bite you in the playoff games. But I mean, this year, not only is every NFC team flawed, I mean, there isn't that second team where you're like, that team's strength is just going to destroy our weakness this time and they're going to exploit it and that doesn't mean it can't happen but there isn't that obvious oh if we match up with xyz they might get their ass handed to them because there's no way we can match up with this aspect of their game yeah and that's the point i was going to make peter bukowski uses the term hegemonic team which is peter's fancy syracuse sat word word to say that exactly that There is like last year, Tampa Bay matched up well with Green Bay because Green Bay has Jair Alexander. So in general, on paper, you go into a game and say, we got Jair. So whoever your number one receiver is, he's out of the game. We're just, that dude's not going to beat us. Tampa had three guys, Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown, which, well, you guys might've heard Chris Godwin (laughs) tore his ACL and Antonio Brown is uh, AWOL. That's yeah. I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out a nicer way to say certain things, but yeah, he's not on the team anymore. Let's just say that he's not on the team anymore. Their defense is not as good as it was last year. They're missing some guys in the secondary Shaq Barrett. If he's able to go in a potential matchup would be compromised. He has a knee injury and is now battling COVID-19 Jason Pierre Paul is a year older. They've got, and the Packers, 
there isn't a team that they can run into that's just like, and not only that, even if they do, like Dallas has two really good receivers, but Green Bay now has Alexander really assuming he's back. Yeah, Douglas yeah. and Stokes to where it's not going to be the same as last year where like Brady said this without saying it in an off-season interview where like he basically said, I just circled King and Sullivan. They and hunt, decided, hunted them all game. And especially on third downs. And they don't have those guys anymore. I think Green Bay's pressure packages are better this year because you have the, maybe not the peak form, but a better form of Rashawn Gary, a better form of Preston Smith, and hopefully able to get Zadarius Smith back for a playoff run as well to where you're able to get that pressure with four guys. Devondre Campbell is going to play middle linebacker instead of Ty Summers, who got a decent amount of snaps in that NFC championship game. And Green Bay is going to have David Bakhtiari, which I, I don't think can be understated. We talked about it earlier that if he played in last year's championship game, you think they win. So do I. They have, there's not a team that they can match up with where you're like, oh boy, they're screwed. Well, and and the the to take that one step further, the NFC is by far the better conference this year. Like, I don't think there's any question about that. And as a result of that, I mean, one of those teams who, if you would pull Packers fans and you would say, who are you quote unquote most scared of in the playoffs? One of those teams in the top three isn't going to even make it to the divisional round. Nope. So, so, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. The conference is so good. One of these other great teams is going to get cannibalized and you're, you have an easier path. That's why getting that by not only because we had so many injuries, but just virtue of one of these good teams is gone before you even play a game. Right. One of Dallas, LA and Tampa are two of those teams are probably playing each other in the divisional round. Yep. And green Bay is probably playing like right now it's green Bay, LA, Tampa Bay, Dallas. So let's assume chalk holds. That means green Bay, Dallas in the divisional round. I think you feel good about that if you're the Packers. And then you have the Rams and the Bucks just beat the piss out of each other. Yeah. In the divisional round, which you thought you were getting at last year with New Orleans, but then Tampa Bay kind of solved that New Orleans problem, at least temporarily. They still weren't able to beat the Saints in the regular Not season this year, year which I, <laughs> I can't figure that out. But I, that's incredible to me. But yeah, Green Bay does not have a team. Like last year, if you had put some truth serum into me, I would have told you. Yeah, if they play Tampa, I think they're probably in a little bit of trouble. And two years ago, yeah, if they play San Francisco, they they're it's not. It's not like, going to be pretty. Yeah. And Sam, like you mentioned too, San Francisco and Tampa beat the Packers by a combined score of seventy six to eighteen in the regular season. Green Bay's losses this year: New Orleans, they might make the playoffs, but that game is pretty safely chalked up as a fluke. Minnesota, the most talented roster in the NFC North, quote unquote, <laughs> will not will not be participating in postseason play. And Kansas City, who Green Bay might play in the Super Bowl, but that game is obviously going to be very different because number 12 is going to be under center instead of number 10, which, again, nothing against Jordan Love, but going from Jordan Love in his first start to league MVP, that is a drastic difference for who they could play. So there isn't a team like that in the conference. And I keep telling myself, you have to temper your expectations, dude, because I am so sure that they are going to play in the Super Bowl to the point where if they don't, I am going to be crushed. <laughs> I know. It, like, and it, that's what, that's what's so hard too, is because like, like I said earlier, for a lot of people, nothing starts until right now anyway. And to, 
to just think, I mean, they literally only have one hump to get over and it's to just win this NFC championship game. And if you believed that last year, everything was in place for them to do it, then you are even, you're twice as invested in the fact that this is the year for them to do it with how things played out and what is in front of them and where they sit. I mean, they ha- they're getting the best talent infusion that you could possibly get. Like they're, it's not yeah. like they're waiting on some depth guys so we get we're able to rotate pass rushers or that third and fourth wide receiver is going to be available for us finally. I mean, you're talking about all pro dudes coming back. And you get in, like it feels very Milwaukee Bucky from the yeah. standpoint of, you know, Milwaukee, they had two years ago, they had that 2-0 series lead against uh, Toronto. They did not win that series. And then last year or two years ago in the bubble, uh, they get beaten out by Miami. So they kind of went through and got their scars that way and then overcame those scars last year by beating Brooklyn and then, of course, beating the Hawks and then being down. I mean, again, facing that adversity again, down 0-2 in the finals yeah. and coming back to win. I think it feels very Milwaukee Buck-like in that way that Green Bay has taken their lumps. They got their ass kicked a couple years ago, realized they weren't there yet. Last year lost a game they feel like they should have won. So it's almost – like it's flipped in terms of the bucks from the standpoint of they never got thumped, but right. the bucks felt like they should have won both of those series. Right. You, and then it, this year it felt underachieving. Right. And this year it just feels like green Bay is the best team. It's just a matter of, do they play like the best team when it right. matters? Because something we didn't talk about, I still think they're better than Tampa Bay was last year, but Devonte Adams didn't play as well as he did all year. Aaron Rodgers didn't play as well as he normally did all year. Aaron Jones had maybe the worst game of his career in last year's NFC title game. There are so many things that I think Green Bay has working in their favor. And assume, again, assuming health, because if somebody gets injured, then that changes things, obviously. Right. This Green Bay team is so much in line and it's so much set up for them to do it. It's like, I remember when I was coaching baseball, and this is a much more elementary example, but if my team went into the championship game and I had my best pitcher, and I would say, hey, man, we're set up to do it. It's just a matter if we do or not. Well, yeah. Green Bay has their best pitchers. They got 12. They got 17. They'll have 69 back. They'll have 33 and 28. They'll have Clark and Preston and Gary and, and maybe Alexander and Smith. as some. Again, like you mentioned, that's not like last year where we're praying that Kevin King is able to play in an NFC championship. <laughs> right. We heard he was questionable before the game. Exactly. You're hoping that Jair Alexander, a top – three corner at minimum in the NFL is able to go. This team is set up. Their roster is very good. Their coaching staff is very good. And they are incredible. Not that they weren't hungry in recent years, but they are incredibly hungry because they know what's at stake with the uncertain future that surrounds this team. Yeah. And the, the, the way I would best describe it last year was everyone that you counted on playing Everyone that you would count on to play well in that game didn't. Every single person. Right. And I didn't even talk about like Z and Preston, zero pressures. Yeah, they didn't really do anything. And guys that you would think you could win the game, even if they had bad games, like an MVS, had a great game. That was probably his best game as a pro, I think. Absolutely. And, and so he had a great game, but everyone you figured would just played bad. Not like they played either mediocre or flat out bad. And you absolutely can't do that because. Tom Brady will kill you every single time. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, and that's the other thing with this year to where 
Bucks are more vulnerable than they were oh, because yeah. Brady's supporting cast isn't what it was a year ago. Where again, Chris got like if Godwin and Mike Evans, or excuse me, if Godwin and Adams are equal, or Evans and Adams are equals, mm-hmm. and they're both number ones. Tampa Bay then has the next three best pass catchers on the team. Yeah. You know, their offensive line isn't as good as it was a year ago. It's still really good, but not as good as it was a year ago. Brady doesn't have the luxury. Antonio Brown, if he's not AWOL over the last <laughs> three years, is a Hall of Fame receiver. Yeah. Chris Godwin is unbelievable. Really Only reason he's still playing. So Exactly. And now he doesn't have those guys. Now, granted, yeah. would you surprise me if you told me that in a month, hey, the Bucks are playing on Super Bowl Sunday? No because they have Tom Brady and and that's really what I think it'll come down to. But I also have this sneaking suspicion. Like the bucks feel like a team that could be one and done. Yeah. It it kind of feels like they're, they peaked obviously in that first year, but it feels like they're just, their train car is falling apart as it pulls into the station here, basically. And and you add in that when it comes to Brown, the distractions surrounding him are only going to get worse. Yeah. without. I think like this is far from the, like you have him talking about how is Brady that good. I made the joke earlier today. How long until Antonio Brown says claims that Brady got him the fake vaccination card (laughs) and, or says Brady has a fake vaccination card himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, not to spend too much time on him. Yeah. He was literally saying stuff like how good is Tom Brady? Really? Like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, he's the only reason that he was even playing last year. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to digest there, but I think that just, again, when it comes to this Packers team, what feels different, the whole surrounding situation, (laughs) like even you go back to even like even 2014 when the Packers played for the NFC title, it was like, well, they got to go, go to Seattle. Yeah. 2011 it's oh man their defense sucks like yeah I mean, at halftime somebody... at halftime of that game when the Packers were pitching a shutout I like everyone was just head over heels because it was not even close to what you thought they could pull off no and we've often talked about like the defense just needs to be good enough with Aaron Rodgers right. and we've seen how that's worked in recent years and I still think that's the gonna have to be the case but you've seen this defense be able to control games and win them when the offense hasn't played. And you know, like what, 10 years ago when the Packers did win the Super Bowl, everybody remembers the Steelers game where Rodgers had like the game of his life, maybe the the highest graded pro football focus game from a quarterback ever. And the, in a Super Bowl, I should say. Yes. And, and the Atlanta game. But what you don't remember is when he was efficient, but his numbers weren't that gaudy. They only scored 21 points against the Eagles and they scored 14 points against the Bears. The Bears. defense won those games. Like, the defense won those games. And I think they have enough playmakers to where the defense can win these games. And, again, like, that's a credit to Brian Gutekunst for Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes and guys that have been – and Stokes is somebody who's been able to step in and play right away. And I know it was Sean Mannion on Sunday night, but three targets, one catch against Justin Jefferson. This is a guy who ate his lunch in a Yeah, I, I, I said that – this is only a blessing in disguise because they've won a shit ton of games this year, but Jair getting hurt was a blessing in disguise because Stokes, he might've gotten the same amount of reps that he got this year. If Jair was healthy, but he's not facing the same caliber of receivers that he faced. And no, he was a de facto cornerback one since October. So now going into the playoffs again, assuming Jair's back, you've got 
Stokes guarding number twos. And he's guarded guys all year, like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Allen Robinson. Like that is extremely invaluable because as teams all get better in the playoffs, all those receivers are going to be better. And now you don't, you're not worried about him. Like, oh man, he's never been on a guy of this caliber. Like if they get CD lamb or, you know, Amari Cooper. Exactly. And you've got all those guys there. So let's wrap here. We've got a prediction for Sunday. What's your score? What do you got? Do you have any feel for this game at all? <laughs> so I'm going to give a very generic football score because we have no idea how long these guys are going to play or who plays really. So I'm going to say, I'm still going to say the Packers win just because the lions are horrendously awful. So I'm going to say Packers win 23, 17. Um, we already talked about what we're looking for. So there's not really much to talk about. I just think that they're going to approach it very businesslike. Um, and you know, it's going to, it's going to be awesome to watch a game stress-free this year because we've had way too many nail biters. So like, this is like a celebration of like everything that has gone on this year so far. Yeah. I feel the same way. I got green Bay 27, 20, but again, like you said, it's kind of a generic football score. And I <laughs> yeah. think it, it might be one of those things where like, again, the score with Aaron Rodgers is 17 to seven. And then it's 13 to 10 lions after Jordan love checks into the game. But like, you know, the nice part is when the game ends, you're just not going to care. And right. it's going to be nice to just kind of sit back and enjoy watching the team play and with an understanding of, of what's to come. So that'll be fun. I look forward to that. I enjoyed this. We're out of time. Monty, why don't you close us out? Tell us where people can find you, all that good stuff. So I am on Twitter. I'm at Ferd Turgeson. It's F-E-R-D underscore T-U-R-G-E-S-O-N. That's the greatest Twitter handle that is working right now <laughs> on Packers Twitter. Um not somebody who's going to be uh, – I, I, did you participate in Thirst Trap Thursday? <laughs> no, I did not. Um, the Packers Twitter has won 2022 so far, though, between that yesterday and then the, the QBs getting in on it today and, you know, going after, then going after Boomer for that stupid segment he had. It's been, it's been a good first week of 2022. <laughs> it's been a good start. So follow him. Maybe next week he'll post a picture in his underwear while he's lifting weights <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Uh, you will not catch me doing that because nobody wants to see that. But you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. Follow us Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Game On Wisconsin. Monty had a lot of fun. Look forward to getting you and Aaron back together next week. And uh, maybe between now and then I can talk you into flying out here for the NFC Championship game. I would love it. Go, Pat, go. There we go. Thanks, guys, for listening. Enjoy the Lions game on Sunday and be ready. It's playoff time and it's time to defend and bring back the trophy that is named after our head coach. See you guys soon.